This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, looks, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted! Intercepted! And the ball! Every story. And we are 1,000% confident, convinced, and know that if we carry out the plan continuously and don't take our foot off the gas, if we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580 The Game. Hi, everybody. Matt Bagley, Justin Hopkins, Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. Check it out on iTunes, also wherever else you get your podcasts, and on ScoopDuck.com. And Justin, we got something to talk about today. Yeah, I was afraid it was going to be a quiet week. Uh, Didn't have any guests planned, which, uh, well, which worked out. I mean, I know... Given your schedule, you know, you're following basketball and traveling a lot, so we didn't know if we were recording today. And getting snowed out. And getting snowed out. Yeah. We didn't know if we were recording tomorrow, which would be Wednesday. Today happens to be Tuesday. We've been doing them on Wednesdays. So, um, yeah, here here we are making it work on a Tuesday. And I know we were, we were going to record earlier, and I sent you the text like, uh some stuff's about to break. Let's <laughs> let's hang let's hang tight here for a little bit and and see how that affects us. So yeah, luckily we were able to kind of hang tight and uh, you know see the Andy, Andy Avalos hire made. And I feel like we have a little bit more to talk about now. You got to pass that breaking news on to somebody else, man. Yeah. Quit hogging it. Quit quit quit, quit hoarding the juice. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're gonna spend a lot of time talking about the new DC for the Ducks. I think it's a home run hire. I know you're excited about it as well. Plus. Looking at basketball, men with a, I would say, frustrating weekend. Ladies drop one that might be a little hair pulling, but they come back on senior day. Baseball and softball looking good as well. We're going to talk about all that and more. Yeah, really. I mean, I'm, I mean, I don't know about you, and I know we'll get into it. I'm really just impressed with softball. I just, I love what's going on there. Um, I saw a couple of tweets from players saying they're having as much fun as they've ever had. Yeah renewing their love for softball. I think all that stuff's just tremendous, um, especially given how much criticism was thrown the direction of Coach Lombardi. And I understand the transfers. I get why the criticism was there. But it just, to me, it just reeked at one of those things like, let's just give this a little bit of time to see how it plays out. Yeah. No, I I think that's the real lesson because she was – crapped on yeah i'll admit it because i crapped on her and and i wasn't alone a lot of media said absolutely this is a bad hire and it is going wrong for the ducks and so far that hasn't happened yeah no i, I mean she's obviously a, a very good coach very fundamentally sound and uh you know l- love to see that there and I, and i'm glad to see women's basketball get back on track too yeah little bit of a slump there. All right, so we got the big news of the day, a new defensive coordinator for the Duck football team. Let's start there. I want to hear your thoughts because I love this hire. Yeah, and uh, and I do too. And for those of you watching us on the Facebook Live, we're going to try and maybe start streaming some of these on Facebook Live while we're recording the podcast. So uh, it's like you're double dipping effect- effectively. But be sure to leave us questions or comments. I can see them on my phone that's right here. Oh, that's a great idea. And so, you know, during the show, we'll try and get to them. Uh, you know, Bruce, I see you commenting there. But if you've got questions or if you want to chime in while we're talking about something, Please do, and we'll try to bring it up when we can, uh, you know, time appropriate. But, yeah, the Andy Avalos hire, um, 
you know, it was something that I teased on, on Scoop Duck on Monday. I think everybody, including myself for a while there, just assumed it was Keith Hayward's job to lose. And, uh, you know, certainly as far as the process went, I believe it was Keith Hayward versus Andy Avalos after a couple of interviews. And, you know, I'm sure Mario Cristobal turned over several rocks and, you know, I know a, a, a wide net was cast. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think over the weekend, it was pretty clearly, you know, Avalos versus Hayward. And to be totally fair, I don't know that you could have gone wrong either direction. I think Andy Avalos is a tremendous hire. What makes it a tremendous hire is assuming the fact, you know, that you're able to keep Keith Hayward on staff and his expertise and his recruiting acumen and all that comes along with it. And then you bring in a, a, I mean, like Andy Avalos, just, you can go and pull stats and there's a lot of breakdowns and stuff, but man, just even watching that defense work against Oregon in the Las Vegas Bowl last year firsthand, I mean, they're, they're fundamentally sound. They're, they're tremendous tacklers. They are, it is very Nick Aliotti-esque, and that's the way I can at least, you know, compare it to something Oregon fans would know. In the fact that they bring a lot of blitzes, they bring a lot of pressure, they disguise it really well. Um, you know, I don't know that, I don't want to say it's a bend but don't break because that's not really fair. Mm-hmm. Um, it is different, but there are a lot of a lot more blitzes, a lot more attacking. Um, you know, his defenses are always one of the best in turnovers, um, you know, turnover margin. Uh, his defenses are always one of the fewest penalized defenses. So, I mean, tons to like. And the fact is, Andy Avalos is a young guy. I mean, I believe he's yeah. in his 30s. He's got, I mean, he's got a long ways to go. He's a great recruiter. Um, what I love most about him, and this will get overlooked, I love the fact that he has coached linebackers and defensive line. If you're going to lose Jim Levitt and his expertise with linebackers, it's great to bring in somebody that also has expertise with linebackers. I love Joe Salivea. I think he's a tremendous coach. I do think he could use a little bit of help. So now you have Avalos that could probably help both those groups a little bit while doing his duties. You got tons of help with the the safeties and corners because you've got two coaches doing that position group. So I really just like how it all blends together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that aspect of it. A um, couple questions on Facebook Live. One that I'm sure we're going to get at some point. Does this change the alignment? Yeah. I mean, Andy Avalos likes to mix things up. I think you know, one of the, uh, he likes to mix things up during the season too, from what I read. And, and of course we'll get more familiar with his defenses. We can watch some film. Um, you know, I put a quick breakdown of what he was doing, but there's a lot of three, three, five. There's a lot of hybrid stuff, um, you know, moving stuff around. Um, I do think you'll see an even man front in there too. I think what his defenses do really caters towards a lot of the current Oregon personnel. Some of the players I think will benefit from what he does. It's what I like is it's not rigid. It's not like, Hey, we run a three, four man only. And that's it. No. And in this roster, I don't think that's a good idea. Oh no. You've got so much, not necessarily depth, but think about versatility Yeah, where you've got a lot of guys that have different roles. And so you have somebody that's creative. Like, I mean, hell imagine Kayvon Thibodeau in a three, three, five, Right. Teams don't scheme against that. They they can't prepare for that. And and that's the thing. I think uh, your point about it being fitting the roster is good, but I also think you've got to do it because of the conference. Because you have, you know, teams that are air raid like Washington State. Then you've got a power team like Stanford. You have such a diverse, you know, uh, diverse group of 
offenses you'll face in your conference alone uh -huh. that you've got to be able to play multiple fronts and you've got to be able to do those things, I think, in order to be successful. I think Jim Lovett's a great defensive coordinator. Uh, no ill will towards his departure, but the thing about it is at the end of the day, you've got to be a little bit more, more diverse than I think he, he was able to, able to be. Yeah, and if you're going to replace Jim Lovett, I think this is the perfect hire. A, a guy that when I've heard Andy Avalos speak, I hear Mario Cristobal. Yeah. He's a deep thinker, he's a systematic thinker, and he's got boundless energy. Right. And I think that's, you know, another thing that y y we've heard Mario Cristobal preach about uh, hiring teachers, hiring teachers of football, teachers of fundamentals, guys that will develop. And that's a very big component, I think, of what Andy Avalos is and what he does. He's, a, he's another teacher. He might be younger. But he's still. I, I think he's. I think he's young and smart enough to know that. Hey, Ken Wilson's been coaching linebackers for twenty years. I'm gonna. I'm gonna draw on his expertise, and maybe offer what I might have that he doesn't. And mm -hmm. and really, you know, take those elements and run with it. You know, you got a guy like Big Joe who's been coaching defensive line forever. Uh, you got a guy like Hayward that was really a, a big part of the defense last year. Um, it, you know, I think f uh, fans or folks tend to take it a step too far and think, oh. You know, Jim Levitt was checked out. Keith Hayward was calling the defense last year. Well, that's not the case. But certainly he was, you know, involved in the game planning and helped and offered some experience, particularly in the back end with what, you know, Oregon could and should be doing there. So I think Avalos will do all that. And, uh, again, I'm just excited about the, the pure fundamentals of it all. You've got – I mean, their linebackers, uh, uh, Vander Ash, and they're, just their linebackers as a whole yeah. play tremendous football. Yeah, he, he recruited Demarcus Lawrence, and he trained Leighton Vander Esch. Yeah, I mean, he, know, he clearly knows what he's looking for in a football player. And I'm using quotation marks. You can see it on the on the uh, Facebook Live. But, yeah, you, you, you know some, – sometimes you just know – a football player and he doesn't run a 4.7 and he's not you know 245 pounds and a chiseled adonis of a human being <laughs> sometimes they're just a damn good football player and you've got to be able to identify you got to have a place on your team for those kind of guys um you know i i love it i think avalos will bring a lot of energy and uh i'm what i'm most excited about this is the biggest takeaway i have for avalos i'm excited to see what defense he's able to run with the talent he's about to inherit. Yeah. He's never even sniffed talent like he's about to have. And, and Oregon's defense is probably as loaded defensively as it's been in the last six, seven, eight years. And that's a really good place to take this. Uh, just some of the, the background info on Andy Avalos, new defensive coordinator for Boise State, or for the Ducks, excuse me, uh, Boise's D.C. for the last four seasons past two years, he was in the top fourth total defense nationally, 22 and 39. That's really good. That would be a massive improvement for the Ducks. And Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports mm -hmm. said he was the top G5 assistant coach in the country. Yeah. A, a guy who was head coach material, expected to take that Boise State job if Brian Harson left it, and now he's in Eugene. What I want to know, you've set the scene with perhaps the most talented roster Coach Avalos will have ever worked with. Right. What's an expectation for that Duck defense? Well, I, I, I said this, and I, and I still believe it. Um, with the Jim Levitt departure, I think what you're looking for, first and foremost, from a realistic standpoint, is that you just don't take a step back defensively. Now, you know, you, you peel that away, like, what do you mean, Jay? Well, okay, look, if the defense plays 
about as well as it did last year, it's still a pretty good defense. Not elite, not great. It's still a pretty good defense. Mm-hmm. If it makes even just a few minor improvements, maybe in the red zone defense and, and takeaways and just a couple small areas, your defense is better. So, you know, Avalos is going to come in and it's, you know, he's going to change some things around. You'll see some different formations and, and, and some other things like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you come in and you just, hey, we're going to scrap it, this is how we're doing it, you've scrapped a pretty good defense, and that's really tough to do. Yeah. And and I get it, Avalos is going to run his defense. I think we'll see a lot of different formations and some and better disguised blitzes and some other things that maybe Jim Levitt weren't his strengths. But overall, you're just looking for execution, for f- basic fundamentals, for tackling, nose for a football, guys being where they're supposed to be, um, you know, reading and diagnosing a play. It, j- it just seems like it just seems like every time you watch Boise State play defense or mm-hmm. play football, yeah, they're just so damn smart. Yeah, it's like why are they? Why do these guys all know exactly where they're supposed to? Be? And you and yes, it was the Mountain West, and I and I understand that. But there's some damn good football teams in the Mountain West. I mean, there's some good offenses that run through there. Mm-hmm. So it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it's Boise State and nobody else. Yeah, Boise State was that much better than everybody else, but for a reason. No, I think I think Boise State and Fresno State this last year yeah. would have been eight or nine win teams in the yeah. Pac-12. They were the UCFs of the Mountain West. Damn it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's fair. National, but no, I mean that's the thing. I mean UCF kind of takes advantage of a weaker conference. I think you know Boise State did, but it doesn't deteriorate them from being good teams. They are competitive teams. They're fundamentally sound. They play good football and. I will say this: I I do believe that Brian Harson's very difficult to work under, but he's a good head coach. He knows what he's doing. You know, he clearly knows how to lead a program. There's a lot to be said about that. There's a lot of guys that are great recruiters, or maybe very offensive minded, or ver- very defensive minded that don't make great head coaches. It takes a pretty specific skill set to be a head coach. I think we've identified that with Mario Cristobal. You've got to wear many hats. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about being a CEO. You've got to, you know, handle the defense, handle the offense, handle recruiting, handle academics off the field stuff, just so many things. And, you know, for them, for, for folks like Pete Thamel and others to basically say that, you know, Andy Avalos is kind of like a head coach in waiting, which I think is the title you're giving him. Well, if you're hiring a guy like that to run your defense, that's a pretty damn good hire. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, I I do see a question on here um, from Mark. Hopefully you're still uh, with us. I know we rambled on there asking about Kevin Patrick. You know, Kevin Patrick was a was a, is a NC State defensive line coach. Uh, has known Mario Cristobal for a long time. Uh, you know, at this point, Oregon's filled its coaching vacancies. So, you know, Kevin Patrick was somebody that maybe if if, if coach uh, uh, coach Cristobal promoted Coach Hayward, he still has a spot to fill because you didn't add anybody. Um, that's how Kevin Patrick would have come into the mix. At this moment, you've brought in an external coach, a new coach. You've occupied the spot. So, you know, at this point, unless somebody leaves. The Oregon coaching staff, mm-hmm. it's game on. Yeah. That was one name that I saw was thrown out on Scoop Duck the other day. Mm-hmm. Another name that you mentioned, and this one just blew me away. I I did not see this coming at all, but Mike Nolan. Yeah. Yeah, I think he reached out with some interest. Um, you know, And that one made sense in the fact that you've got an experienced guy that does understand defenses. Might, you know, probably certainly not the recruiter that, that Andy Avalos will be. But if you're, and again, here's the great thing. Mario, excuse me, Mario Cristobal had flexibility with this hire. He 
He had Keith Hayward, you know, that's that's right there, probably very close to ready, right at the doorstep, and promoting him probably wasn't, you know, going to be too hard. But, you know, you've got a lot of coaches in place that blend over into a lot of each other's territories. And mm-hmm. so by territories, I mean position groups. So having flexibility is a great thing because now you can go and instead of having your pool of people you can target be this big, it's this big. Hey, this guy kind of coached linebackers and, you know, knows defenses really well. He would be a great compliment to Coach Hayward. Hey, this guy has coached, you know, defensive line and linebackers, happens to be a D.C. That would be a good hire. You know, hey, Kevin Patrick could help with the defensive line, maybe outside linebackers, and help Coach Hayward. I mean, you had a lot of options. All three of those guys would have been a good hire. Uh, but I think Andy Avalos is a tr- tremendous hire. Yeah, I look at it this way. You can make a move that is friendly and and well-liked amongst your current staff, right? right? No one would be griping if Keith Hayward had gotten this job. But I think even Keith Hayward might concede this is the best move if Oregon wants to contend for a national title. Yeah, I, I and here's the thing. A lot of folks, oh, Keith's going to be upset, upset. But I don't think Keith's that upset. At the end of the day, he's making a very good wage doing what he's doing. Yeah. He's making he's, it's I think I without looking, I believe it's he's one of the top five paid defensive back coaches in the country. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, is the next progression for him uh, being a def- defensive coordinator? Yeah, of course, that's the next. He's already co-DC. The next progression is being a DC. But here's the problem. Somebody's going to have to really pony up to pull him away already. And that's assuming he doesn't get a raise now, which I'm betting he probably will. Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're money ahead with. Uh, Jim Levitt being gone and bringing in Avalos. Yeah. And we don't know what Avalos is going to make, but he was making 335 at Boise. He'll probably let's just let's just assume he doubles it, which yeah. is probably really high. At 700,000 ish, you're still money way ahead with what you've got, you know, with Jim Levitt off the books. So there's a little money to slide towards Big Joe, probably a little money to slide towards, you know, Dante and a little money to slide towards Keith. So my point to that is Keith Hayward, let's just say he's making you know, 500k a year. Let's just say that's what he gets bumped up to, or even more. Somebody's going to have to take a chance on him being a first-time DC, which is what you would be doing, mm-hmm. and you're going to have to pay him accordingly. I mean, so I mean, it's going to have to be a to find that marriage. It's going to have to be a pretty big school, you know, USC or a Washington or somebody yeah. that has the money to do that and is willing to take a chance on a first-time DC. I think the money is one thing that keeps him in Eugene. I think the other note. Because I always think back to his ties to Oregon State. Yeah. And he's been connected to Oregon State for years as potentially a guy the Beavers could steal away. But if you have the choice between coaching at a national championship contender, sure. and that's what Oregon football is right now under Mario Cristobal and, and could be for the, the, the foreseeable future, oh, yeah. you have a choice of coaching there or coaching at the worst Power 5 school in the country. Yeah. Right? What are you going to take? Well, and let's face it, Oregon State doesn't have the budget right now to make that move. No. they Because you're going to have to pony up to get Keith. He's not going to move laterally. You're no. not going to just pull him and make him DB coach and pay him six hundred grand. You, not very few schools can afford that. You know, Oregon's being very smart with their uh, staffing budgets. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, I'll say this. Keith loves the state of Oregon. He mm-hmm. loves Eugene. His wife loves Eugene. His, his daughters are there. He's very happy. He's making a good income. I think he's being groomed for something bigger. At some point, Oregon fans are going to have to realize this. The guys that Mario Cristobal is hiring are 
are really good coaches. They almost across the board, they're really good coaches. Mm-hmm. You're going to need to get used to the fact that there's going to con- continue to be turnover on this coaching staff. Yeah, every year, and that's a good thing. Yes, it's like I mean. Alabama's the shining example. Yes. Right? We always compare this program to Bama, but there's a reason Saban has to clean his staff every year. Yep. It's not because the guys couldn't get the job done. Right. It's they overperformed and they they got jobs elsewhere. Right. And that's and that's what you want if that's what's happening. So perfect example right here, right now. Immediate knee jerk reaction. Uh, Keith Hayward stays, spends the next year at Oregon. Uh, you know, co DC safeties coach. And Andy Avalos is there and does what we think he might do. Has a great year, helped get Oregon competitive and moves, you know, winning a Pac-12 title obviously is the, is the, is the first goal, whatever you can do off of that. It, assuming all those things, within the next two years, you very likely have one of two scenarios. Keith Hayward has done enough to go and find a defensive coordinator position that somebody's going to be able to pay him. USC, I don't know, whoever, whatever. Some blue chip. Yeah, he's yeah. going he's gonna to have done well enough to do that and left your defensive back group stockpiled for the foreseeable future in the next two years, and he's gone, and it is what it is. That's just part of the job. Mm -hmm. Or Andy Avalos does good enough in the next year or two and becomes a head coach somewhere. You know, uh, maybe something happens with Harson at Boise State. Maybe there's a a position opening at Cal, or I'm just throwing out names for no reason. You know, maybe Chip decides to leave UCLA. (laughs) Who knows? In either event... Those are both plausible scenarios, and yeah. at the very least, that means they've done a good job at your university along the way. I think the latter scenario is really likely. When I when I read about Andy Avalos, I see a guy that was only going to leave Boise State for the chance to springboard right. to something greater down the road. Yeah, I agree. And 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 again, you know, Andy Avalos. Let's just say he leaves in two years, which is totally realistic. You know, if, if you've been able to, to keep Keith Hayward, which is totally realistic for two years because of, of the way you're paying him, uh-huh. he maybe he's now ready at that point. Maybe he slides into it at that point. It's not like Keith Hayward's there and it's like, oh, man, you know, Andy Avalos is 65 years old. He's going to run his last <laughs> 10 years out here coaching at Oregon. Yeah. Very much not the case. Uh-huh. He's probably got two, maybe three years max if he's doing what he's what he's supposed to be doing. And he's still got two, maybe three years max if he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing because he'll go the other way. So, you know, yeah, I get the immediate knee-jerk reaction. I'm sure if I'm Keith Hayward, you're probably sitting there going, darn, I really wanted that, but let me get back to doing my job because at the end of the day, I'm still making enough money to take care of my family. I like it here in Eugene, uh, you know, uh, at some at some point, he probably even acknowledged being you know honored at being considered for the position by Coach Cristobal. What do you think's the players' reaction? I mean, for the guys that played against Boise State in the Vegas Bowl, they're probably going, "Yeah, hell yeah." I mean, I don't know if you were on offense or defense and you looked out and watched those guys, they knew what they were doing. I mean, they knew what the hell they were doing at Boise State. So I I think. And and I think you've got to like the fact that he's young and energetic. Um, I think that's going to bleed well uh, into that locker room. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you're especially if you're Die who came back, and yeah, you lose your DC who happened to be your position coach. Well, you're bringing in a DC that has very much experience with your position. He played linebacker, has coached mm-hmm. linebackers. I mean, you've got to be pretty excited with that result if you're him. Because, I mean, Dye's looking to get out of here in the next year, obviously. Yeah. You know, you got a couple guys that, that uh, 
you know, that'll be the case. So I, I think it's very much a win for anybody who plays linebacker at Oregon. Oh, definitely. No, when you have a coach that can say, hey, I've got 32 NFL coaches on speed dial because I'm the Leighton Vander Esch guy. Yep. They love me. They trust me. They want the next Leighton Vander Esch. Right. That's a pretty good boost for you. Yeah. No, he, he clearly has an eye for talent. He knows what he's doing. You know, sure, Jim Levitt, uh, you know, he's got the chops as well, but you brought in somebody else that does. So I, I, it's got to it's be a win-win. I think most of your coaching staff is extremely excited about this move. Um, and give here's what I – my biggest takeaway, and we said, we've talked about this, and we had Coach Cristobal on the podcast, and he says, everything I want to do, I want to I put – the University of Oregon first. I want to make sure that that's at the forefront of my decision-making. Is this what's best for the University of Oregon football program? I, the, I think this is. And it is. Yeah, I mean, would it have been easy to promote Keith Hayward? Absolutely. They're very good friends. A lot of mutual respect between those two. It would have been an easy move to make, and it was probably pretty justifiable. This was a little bit of a, of a ballsier move, but I think... A hundred percent, it was the best move for the University of Oregon program. A hundred percent. So looking at the roster now, are there specific players that you think are really boosted by this move? I mean, I don't know that I would say, bo- I mean, we could sit here and talk about Die, but I think he was in a good situation playing for Levitt anyways. I think Ken Wilson's a tremendous coach, so he's going to come in and do. So there's been so much movement, it's hard to say that just Coach Avalos coming in. But I do believe that guys like DJ Johnson and Kayvon Thibodeau, among others, really benefit from this move and the way that he runs his defense and certain schemes and alignments that he does uh, out of his defense. I think some of those guys will benefit being utilized in a better skill set for themselves. Mm -hmm. There's no real way to weigh that right now because they weren't impacts on the field last year. Yeah. Obviously, Thibodeau wasn't here yet. DJ Johnson sitting out his year. But I think those are guys that if there is more of a role where they can do some stand-up and some hand-in-the-dirt, you know, sort of a role like that hybrid role, that's I think that's perfect for their skill set. And I'm not really sure that that role existed under uh, Coach Levitt. Yeah, no, I think about how a straight 3-4 you have your defensive ends, but they don't operate like defensive ends in a traditional scheme right. because they're focused on plugging blocks. Right Now, maybe this is a hire that lets these guys pin their ears back and go hunt. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, you know, I think that's what's, uh, what this is all about. This is going to let some of these guys, and, and again, you know, he brings a lot more attacking nature to this defense. They definitely like to get pressure after the quarterback. If you're a defensive lineman or a linebacker, that's <laughs> that's music to your ears. Mm-hmm. That That's exactly what you want. Yeah. That and I also think when when we see blitzing schemes, a player that can really benefit from that or a position that can really benefit from that is safety. Yeah. Right? A guy that can fly all over the field and sort of plug in the gaps. We could be seeing a breakout year from Javon Holland. Yeah. I mean, uh, in turn, when you're applying that much pressure and if you're uh, very good at disguising your pressure getting to the quarterback, a lot of times, if you have a ball hawking safety, that means he's had to cover guys for a less amount of time, and has a better chance at as you know at a throw up from you know the quarterback or a miss pass or a tip pass or whatever. You've got more opportunities, which again they were one of the be- better turnover defenses in the country. So uh, you know, typically that's that's sort of what happens. I, you know, ag- again, uh, it's not a hire that was 
on the radar much for the last couple of weeks. You know, we started talking about it on Scoop Duck yesterday yeah. a little bit, but um, it, it was there's a reason for that though. If you go and, and start alerting everybody that you're <laughs> looking at Andy Avalos, <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, Coach Harson catches wind or whomever, you know, it just makes your job that much harder if you're Mario Cristobal. Yeah. I, that's the way you would like to make your hires done. If it starts getting out when you're in the 11th hour, you're probably far enough along that you can survive it. You know, when it starts getting out the minute you've interviewed him, a lot tougher. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you, you take that approach. I'll be honest. Last week when you said they were doing a comprehensive search, I thought, well, he's just giving <laughs> lip service to it. Right. Right. They're going to hire Keith Hayward. And and now you see the fruit of a comprehensive search behind the scenes. Yeah. The Ducks targeted their man. They went after the best guy for the job, and he took the job. Yeah. No, it's it's just, you know, when you start looking at it and start looking at the way that this coaching staff is assembled, I, I just, you, you got to love what I say is the compliment of Avalos. I think it's a, it's a great compliment to a defense. And again, uh, just be honest, this is somewhat of a hot take knee-jerk reaction. Avalos probably won't be here long. That's probably the reality of this hire. In a good way. Right. In a yeah. good way. He's going to he's I mean he's going to get promoted whether you know Alabama comes calling for him and gives him gobs of money or he's a head coach somewhere or whatever the case might be. He's probably not going to be at Oregon long, but again, that's that's what you're after. Time for a couple questions before we move on to some other topics. Uh, Bruce asks, "How do you see this affecting Scott?" Oh, Jordan. I assume you mean Jordan Scott, Bruce, which is, you, you probably do. Uh, I, I, uh, well, I, if they run a lot of three three five, which is what he he did do in a lot of ways, you know, it doesn't change much in terms of what Jordan Scott's doing. He's not at the nose. Not at the nose. He's the nose. He's there. Uh, so if you're doing that, it, it benefits him. If you do end up going with some even front stuff with some four man fronts. That'll change a little bit, but you know, a, a, a guy like Jordan Scott, such a, a special player and so disruptive in the Pac-12, he's going to get his regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, either way, again, I think the bigger impact is is for the edge guys more so than uh, you know than the interior defensive linemen. Um, and secondly, uh, Oregon needs more corners. I mean, if you're going to run three-three-five, you're running a lot of secondary guys. And that's not, I mean, that's not, it's not just to say that's what Oregon will do every down, every game, all year long. That's not, it will be a principle of it, but I'm sure they'll do some 3-4. They'll. I'm sure they'll do some 4-3. They will move things around a lot because that's been one of Andy Avalos's hallmarks. And, you know, if you're able to go and recruit strongly at every position, you're able to do that. I think Oregon's really close in the secondary um, could probably use another corner or two just because you're going to end up putting a lot of guys out there. That's going to be, that's going to be the biggest thing. I think Javon Holland's another guy who really benefits from this move as well. Yeah, no, I totally agree about needing to to see what the secondary can do. You got Washington State, who you mentioned right off the top, right? But I think about Jacob Eason at Washington. That could be a, a pretty high octane passing game next year. Uh, same goes for some of the other schools in the North. Oregon State is tr- going to try to go into that direction. USC, obviously, they're yep. kind of try to be air raid. They're going to be gimmicky. <laughs> so um, you got to work on your pass D. Don't know how much this is going to change for Jordan Scott. I'm with you. To me, we we want all of our interior guys to be like Aaron Donald. Oh yeah. But the reality is yeah. that is a, a really fluky archetype for that position. Sure. And he's the much freak. more Yeah. He's a freak. The yeah. much more attainable one isn't a nose tackle that gets you ten sacks, 
but a guy that maybe gets one sack a year and a whole bunch of disruptions. Right, right. And that's Jordan Scott. Yes, absolutely. Um, Caleb asks on the Facebook live stream, which you can check out at the uh, Scoop Duck Facebook page, Oregon Duck News via Scoop Duck. Caleb asks, still think Hayward will only be here for one more season? Uh, again, you know, that just, uh, I feel like I've gone over that scenario and, and you might, you might have checked in after Caleb, you know, at this particular moment, Keith Hayward's got a, a very good contracted Oregon to coach safeties and be co-DC. I imagine he's going to get even a little bit more money. Uh, thrown onto his contract because they're not paying Jim Levitt $1.7 million. So at that point, you're you're paying him well enough to stay and keep most teams away. At this point, he still hasn't been a defensive coordinator, so if somebody wants to step up and, and pay him even more to be a first-time defensive coordinator, y- you can't fault him. I mean, you, you can't fault Mario Cristobal for that. There's no way to protect from that. And you can't fault Keith Hayward for trying to you know advance his career. So Again, I think if you're Coach Cristobal uh, making this hire that you did with Andy Avalos, you're as protected as you can be to keep Hay- Keith Hayward around, uh, but there's just absolutely no way to you know, keep him from either getting a promotion or for somebody that to be, you know, back up the truck and, and, and pay him. And, and at, cer- at certain points, and please don't, don't, don't take this how I mean it towards Hayward, but at some point, you know, the value that you're paying somebody no longer becomes a value. I mean, even as, as much as Keith Hayward does for the defense and recruiting and developing and all those things, you know, you can price yourself out of being a good value to a program. So uh, by no means are we anywhere near that, and I'm not suggesting that of Keith Hayward, but that, for instance, Jim Levitt was no longer a value to Oregon. $1.7 million, you know, was an obscene amount of money. And, you know, if you had told me, hey, look, Jim Levitt's coaching there for $1 million or even $800,000 or something, you know, that's still a good hire in my mind. That's that's good value. 1.7 is just not good value mm-hmm. at all. And I, I have so many other questions to get to today, but that takes it to another direction. I think one more question on the, the Avalos hire. You're paying him less money, but comparing him to Levitt, is this a guy that you think will recruit more? Yes, he will definitely be involved. In, and that's what makes Oregon's recruiting amazing, is they basically recruited without a defensive coordinator last year. He was involved little to none on almost all the defensive prospects that Oregon signed. And now you've got an energetic guy. So, you know, here you are seeing what Oregon did and their recruiting ability and down a coach, not only a coach on the roster, but a defense, you know, a coordinator, which is a big deal. So I think you bring in Avalos and he's young, he's energetic, he's proven he can recruit, he's proven, um, you know, that he has a, a, an eye for talent, um, for developing guys. And uh, I, I mean, as and I've said this, as good as Oregon's class was last year, I'm not sure that Oregon can beat that ranking simply because of the limited numbers they'll be able to bring in in 2020. But I think in terms of like the average star rating, it's going to be even higher, which means I don't remember what it was last year. I think it was around like 90.6 or it was close to 91 was the average star rating. I think it will beat that, which means they're basically signing all four stars and higher, which is tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, New defensive coordinator for the Ducks, Andy Avalos from Boise State. Leaves after spending four years there in Boise. Now he gets to join the squad in Eugene. Um, 
I have a couple other topics I want to bring up with you during okay. the football segment. And then if we get any questions on Facebook Live, obviously we can toss back to the big news of the day, sure. Ducks New DC. But this the snow is just absolutely nuts. And I'm wondering if it has any impact on the football program right now. Uh, oh, we actually have white out here. Yeah. No, Southern Oregon is oh, is getting some right now. Yeah, it's literally just it's, it started snowing about 10 minutes before I left the house to come here. And... And I'm looking out the window, and there's a like a thin layer of so I don't want to sell it. Like, oh my gosh, it's snowmageddon. There's a thin layer of snow. Not so, here. Not here. Well, we have a couple inches, maybe. Eugene yeah. had like a foot yesterday. Yeah, they they got hit pretty good. Uh, ben got hit really good. Um, you know, even you know the the Siskiyous, the mountains all around us got hit. We just we haven't really gotten hit here at all. Um, so yeah, I I do think the snow will. And I wrote about this on Scoop. The snow. Here's the deal. Um, in the tidbit yesterday that I threw out about Oregon looking at an external hire for D.C., you know, I mentioned that Oregon was attempting to host its first junior day this weekend, kind of an invite-only thing for recruits. And, uh, A, it wasn't going to be a big group to start with, but I'm wondering how much, uh, you know, the snow will impact yeah. that. And I think it will. So, you know, uh, the junior day that Oregon was expected to have was going to be fairly small and quaint. It might even be even smaller now because, well, hey, I don't know why you bring in kids if they can get in for this. Yeah. I mean, you, that's not what you want to sell. You want I, – I, I've always felt Oregon can do its most damage by bringing kids in when spring ball's going because that means, uh, you know, you got kids on campus. There's a lot of energy around the college. Uh, you've got um, – spring football going so you can go sell your practices there's a lot of energy around that and the weather can it's not always but you get days of sun and you get days of, of rain so i think you take your chances so yeah to answer your question i think snow is going to put a little bit of a damper on this weekend but hopefully coach avalos can make it to town yeah i mean <laughs> <laughs> well I, he's an idaho guy yeah. so he should be used to this yeah but yeah, I, I just imagine being a, a parent of a player, you know, four-star prospect, and you're from SoCal, and you say, hey, let's let's drive up, right? Beautiful drive. Right. And you get stuck in Glendale. Right. Yeah, yeah. you get stuck <laughs> at Glendale, or you get, you know, stuck in Hilt trying to come over the, the Siskiyous here or something along the way, and yeah, it's kind of a... So yeah, I, I mean, if I was Mario Cristobal, I'd look out here and say, hey, like, let's have some fun in the snow, but let's let's can this Junior Day thing, so we'll see. Yeah. Um, let's see if I have anything more on football. Uh, you wrote a piece this week on, and and I love this idea, right? When the weather is just abysmal, and people in Eugene don't have power, and people in in Bend are you know driving through an avalanche, of hey, let's look ahead to springtime, right? When the weather's good, and you looked at the quarterback position. Yes. What do you think about that? Uh, love it. Uh, it's it's as good as it's been in a long time. I mean, you've got Justin Herbert healthy, uh, no questions about his health, coming back for another year. You've got the same offensive coordinator in place, and so I think there's going to be some comfort levels there. Uh, you know, you, your your offensive coordinator happens to be your position coach, quarterback coach. So you know, you guys are working on things that maybe you know you struggled with last season, which for for Justin Herbert, you know, could be his decision making a little bit. I did kind of chalk that up in the article to, you know, him kind of being worried about the dropsies with his receivers. I get it. Uh, but I think if you can work on his decision-making or his, his reading of the defense and you can keep working on his deep ball a little bit, getting a little bit more touch on it, that was already improved, but it could still improve. Um, I, I love the fact that Tyler Shuck already, as of today, has been on campus for over a year. 
you know, so he, he got on campus early last year, went through the winter program, went through the spring program, went through all of fall, and he, here we are back in winter workouts now about to get into spring football. Mm-hmm. You know, he's had a full year to get bigger, stronger, more confident, learn the offense, and just get, you know, uh, comfortable with college, college life, college football and college life. So I love that, you know, you've got a promising young prospect you know, in town already that spent a year in your program. Uh, I love that you brought in Kale Millen and, you know, it's somebody that we've talked extensively about. I do think he's got a lot of potential, but needs to continue to be developed and he should be able to have that. He's, he's in now with the winter workout program. You know, coach Feld is going nuts on him, but also, you know, you're going to have him for spring football this spring. You're not really counting on him this year, but you're going to have an opportunity to probably throw him out there. I think I think Oregon's roster at quarterback is as deep as it's been in quite some time now, and you, you just I love 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 the fact that you're returning Herbert. He's fully healthy. You're bringing in Juwan Johnson to help him out, and you've kept your same coordinator for two years. I think all those things are tremendous. Uh, tremendous upside for the quarterback position as the Ducks head into the spring. Uh, that'll tied the football fans over, but there's something going on in the interim. Let's look at Duck basketball. basketball! Really no way to sugarcoat this. Men slip up again against UCLA. Gross. Gross Mm -hmm. basketball. Just, uh, you know, one of the things I mentioned, uh, and real quick before I get into Luke, I see your question on Hayward. There is, I mean, as we're recording this, there's, there there is, uh, you know, I mentioned this earlier in the podcast. Everything's good. Everything's fine. Avalos is showing up. Hayward's good to go. All big one happy family. All one big, yeah. So (laughs) we're moving forward there. Um, You know, with regards to basketball, you just, man, you just, they're just not playing good basketball. And I know it's easy to say that, but you just get, you get so frustrated watching them because there's these glimpses of a good team. And then there's glimpses of just a really bad team. And, I hate to pick on them like that because it's it's you know obviously they're not showing up to practice and and trying to to not perform but you know at the end of the day you're you're judged on wins and losses unfortunately for them and for Coach Altman and uh, you know I I did say this I think last week this this almost has a look of a team that's, that's sort of given up you know I don't know maybe they have maybe they haven't I'm sure they'll go out there and keep competing but it's certainly what it looks like at times. I get the criticism that, or or not the criticism, but the excuse that is lobbed with this team that well, they don't have Bowl Bowl, sure, and and Kenny Wooten missed a large chunk of the year, sure, totally get it, but I see a team that just isn't built for March in that when you have a big lead against UCLA and you or or you're in a situation crunch time, you need a bucket to win, they just don't have a guy that can get them that bucket, yeah. Yeah, no, and that's something I think we talked about last week was just not having that consistent score. You've had guys step up at certain times, but it's not consistent, and you never know who it's going to be from one night to the next. Mm -hmm. And uh, some nights it's nobody. So, you know, that really, really hurts Oregon. There's not a go-to option. Um, As as well as Pritchard has played in spurts, he's definitely not that takeover, you know, true score. Um, You know, Louis King has had moments. Uh, I mean, a lot of guys have stepped up, but just unfortunately, you don't have that veteran. Um, and, and you may never have that veteran in the one and done era. I know it's been overly discussed, in my opinion, about one and duns and recruiting one and duns and stuff. I, I don't if I'm Coach Altman, I don't pay attention to that. I'm going out and recruiting the best player I can get for my team 
and figuring it out from there. I'm not going to go and not recruit Bulbul because he is potentially a one and done. Mm -hmm. If he wants to come, I'm going to go get him. And then I'll I'll realize that, hey, I got to fill it in behind him. I I think the difference is a guy like Bulbul, hell yeah. Every program in the country will mortgage their future for Bull Bull. Yeah, or Zion or whatever. Yes, but some of these guys, I think about Troy Brown Jr. last year, flashy, but they're not on the same caliber as Bull Bull. Well, yeah, and I think as a coach, you're well aware of that. And if a young man decides to go early, then earlier than you think they should, I, I mean, there's nothing you can do. I mean, you, you can do your best to try to convince them to stay, but... There's nothing you can do about that. I again, if I'm Coach Altman, I know that I have certain needs at these positions. I need I need a wing. I need size in the in the post. I want an athletic post. Whatever the case is, you go and find the best player you can get at that position, get them on campus, and then you figure out out after that. You know. So if you're going and getting a, a post bowl bowl, and realize that he's only going to stay for a year, well, clearly you're going to recruit that position once again the following year. So, and. Many coaches can figure it out. I mean, all the, there's a lot of these high-profile coaches that are coaching heavy one-and-done teams. You f- you figure it out. I mean, it's not like basketball changes. Sure, they might not have as much chemistry because they didn't play for four or five years, but they're hella talented, so you make it work. Yeah. Uh, now with the ladies, they dropped in the polls. Yeah. Dropped uh, one of two over the weekend. Um, but I actually don't think this is a bad thing. Nope. Right now, ESPN Bracketology has them as the two seed on the same group as Notre Dame, which I like because then you get a rematch. Yeah. Then yeah. Uh, no. Uh, you know, I, I, I all, all the uh, I expected Oregon to lose one of the Oregon State games, and I know I said that last week. I I I did expect them to lose one of the Oregon State games. Um, I don't know that I expected them to to keep losing after that, but all that really did in my mind is is magnify how important Ruthie Hebert is to this team. Yes. I mean, clearly, is, I mean, it would be the same if, if, if they were playing without Sabrina. There's no question that they would be a different team without Sabrina. They are clearly a different team without Ruthie. So uh, glad she's back. Obviously, they were able to get back on track and, and, and get another dub and, and shake the losses. Um, now, in my mind, really just becomes the key of making sure they stay healthy, Remain healthy. Maybe give them a chance at, at try not to log so many minutes if you can afford it, and just keep everybody fresh and ready because there's no doubt you've got one of the best, uh, you know, teams in the country. It's just a matter of health at this point. Yeah, yeah. Pac-12 tournament on the horizon. There's still an opportunity for these girls to get that one seed for the NCAA tournament. Right. So. Right. Which is great, but not necessary. I mean, like, great, cool, awesome. It looks great on the resume or whatever, but. I mean, it's not necessary. It's not like, you know, going up against a 15 instead of a 16 is a world of difference. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really isn't. No. Yeah, If you happen to slide, you know, down into like, you know, four, five, six categories, you know, territory. Well, yeah, that changes the game a little bit. It's it's an interesting year because I I would normally say, yeah, you don't want to play UConn early. Right. But UConn's not the top team in the bracket this year. No. No, I right now there isn't. I mean, there isn't a team out there that Oregon can't beat. Now, are there several really good teams? Of course, there absolutely are. But the key now is keeping Ruthie healthy, keeping Sabrina healthy, and just get in, get into the, get into the sunshine dance as healthy as you can. All right, 
that's uh, that's basketball. I'm thinking spring sports, and then we'll loop back with any extra questions on Andy Avalos. Yeah. DeLuca unloads on one to left. Back to the wall. Out of here. We made fun of baseball two weeks ago. Yeah. And I think we're going to end up looking back on that and, and feel wrong about it. Because yeah. so far, this is a competitive baseball team. Yeah. I... I... 1000% one of the things that uh, you know that I'll always pride myself on is I have no problem eating crow when I need to eat crow. You know for if you for, cook it right it's probably pretty good. Yeah, some barbecue sauce or whatever, <laughs> you know, but uh, I drink enough beer that I would cover it up flavor anyways, but <laughs> you know, uh, when the in terms of the baseball team, yeah, I did I did not see, you know, I didn't see this coming. I didn't expect it. Um, it's certainly a welcome surprise. Uh, you know, to see them playing better baseball, to see them on track, um, you know, to see them competitive in the Pac-12 conference at the very least, which we expect, um, you know, all those all those great things. I, you know, I, I kind of felt that softball was, uh, you know, unjustly kind of crucified, if you will, leading up to the season. Um, but it looks like I jumped on the bad bandwagon of, of picking on baseball too soon. So I, I definitely have to own that one. But fortunately, I don't have to eat much crow. Usually, usually... Usually I'm right there with it for yeah. the most part. I just think you don't win that series against Texas Tech to open the year, right. but you steal one from them, almost take two from them, mm-hmm. and then last week they host St. Mary's, which you might not know, right? In, in basketball, that's a mid-major. right? And in some of the other sports, yeah, minor power. You can trounce them if you're Oregon. But I've seen firsthand covering these college baseball players for a few years Good players go to St. Mary's. Yeah, absolutely. They want to go to the Bay Area. Yeah. They don't want to go to Eugene. So unlike in other sports where you've got a recruiting advantage, I think St. Mary's is on par with Oregon. And for the Ducks to do what they did against them, that's a statement. Well, and baseball is so much different than than football and, and other sports. It's just, uh, you know, it, it's a different it's a different animal. There's so much more talent. Um out there that you can build a competitive team almost at any level so uh oh yeah yeah we lost our it, that it looks like the battery died on that okay but no uh but yeah i mean that's that's kind of where you know baseball's at like you said uh, a saint mary's against oregon and baseball definitely has a chance to win um you know any game and again eating my crow in baseball i hope they can keep it going hope they can have a good season so now softball as we we, we move ahead here um, weathering a storm last week. I think there's two ways you could look at it. Glass half full, glass half empty. Right. They lose to a Texas Tech team and get shut out. And they drop in the polls, but they still have a, a pretty solid record right now. I think uh, 15 games in, believe it or not, because softball, they just play a ton of games this time of the year. 11-4. and four. Yeah, no, I, 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 I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, if, if we circled back three weeks and said, hey, um, you know, Oregon, Oregon softball would be eleven and four through its first fifteen games, everybody would have been like, no way, you're, you're, you're lying, no way. Mm-hmm. Everybody would have taken that. So oh, yeah. there's absolutely no reason, and uh, you know, I don't, uh, I know that they're one of the most efficient base running teams. I know that uh, their on base percentage is really good. I mean, they're doing some really good things as a club um, that are coming down to, to fundamentals and coaching. So, uh, you know, you got to love the direction. 
And one of the things that I, I think I'm most excited about is I think you've got a, I don't want, I don't mean it in the, in the, in the term of experience, but you've got a young team that hasn't spent a lot of time around each other. That's only going to get better. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the more, the more games to play, the more practices they have, you know, they're only going to get more cohesive as a unit. And I think that's something that's really going to pay dividends for this, for this team, you know, down the line as they keep moving through the season. All right. So baseball, softball, hoops, and let's loop back to football just because this is the biggest news on the planet today. Right. Ducks with a new defensive coordinator, Andy Avalos. He was a DC at Boise State the last four years. Before that, a defensive line coach, and before that, a uh, a pretty good uh, four year letter winner for the Broncos back in the day. Yep. This is a home run hire for Oregon, right? Was he the number one guy on their list? Uh, I mean, again, it was it was either Avalos or Hayward. Um, so if you want to call it 1A or 1B, I think that's probably the fair way to label the two. Um, I, I, again, I my, the biggest thing that stands out to me is I know the relationship Coach Cristobal has with Coach Hayward. A lot of mutual respect. Um, they're friends off the field. You know, I know that there is a lot going into that relationship. And so for... Coach Cristobal to make this hire of Coach Avalos, uh, you know, it tells me something. It tells me something. It tells me that, A, he does mean what he says when he's putting the program first. And secondly, it really tells me that Avalos must have absolutely wowed him and the other coaches during his interviews and stuff. So, uh, again, if we've given our trust to Coach Cristobal for the decisions he's made up until this point, which have all been pretty strong, there's no reason not to trust his decision making on this hire. It's going to be uh, something else to see how that all unfolds. I can't wait for the spring when we get to talk to this guy and, and pick his brain. Oh, I'd lo- yeah, love to get him on the podcast. He's not even in Eugene yet, so that's not in the realm uh, moments after the hire is made. But yeah, maybe we can get him on, and and that would be good. Yeah, Andy Avalos going from Boise State to Eugene. Uh, the other thing, again, I got to mention before we close. Looks like a young Mario Cristobal, sounds like a young Mario Cristobal, and a very respected writer, Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports, said Coach Avalos is the top group of five assistant coach in the country. The pedigree is phenomenal. Yeah, well, I mean, if there if there's one coaching tree that you don't mind going to pluck from, it should be from Boise State. They've turned out some, some tremendous assistants through the past few years. You look at... Uh, you know, you look at uh, uh, Coach Peterson up at Washington, and in large part, a lot of that staff that's with him now came over from Boise State. And you go look at Coach Wilcox, who's who's coaching Cal now, you know, spent time at Boise State. I mean, there is a really strong pedigree of coach coming from, you know, that area. And I think, uh, you know, Brian Harshan's done a great job assembling another quality staff. You know, Andy Avalos, uh, at the time, actually, s- several years ago, I was – uh, you know, helping run a Boise State site in that market, so I got to know that market fairly well. Really, and Coach Avalos was, you know, he, you know, came on the scene was a hire. Uh, pretty sure he came in, at, if, if I recall correctly, at defensive line, and he just started recruiting, you know, really well right away. And it was like, man, this guy's, you know, popping up. So I've always kept a distant eye on him, even though I haven't been involved in that market on a day to day basis anymore. Mm-hmm. And how can you not? I mean, you look at what Boise State's doing, and I mean. <laughs> They're winning football games. Yeah. 
good games. Yeah, it's it's more than just the greatest bowl game ever played. They've yeah. got a, a repertoire now. Well, they are one of those teams that if you're, you know, Georgia or Oregon or whoever, you don't want to play them. Because really, you're supposed to beat them, and they're really good. So when you don't beat them, you kind of get beat up. Or like, oh, look at the talent difference. You know, Boise's got a bunch of two, three stars, and, you know, Georgia's got four and five stars. And they're that team that you don't like to play Mm -hmm. because they are fundamentally sound. You know, they're just a a well-disciplined football team. And just like UCF, I mean, same thing. You don't want to play UCF because they're good enough to beat you, but they shouldn't beat you. So... I mean, there's a few of those schools out there. Boise State's one of them. Okay. Andy Avalos, that's uh, a whole lot of time spent on the Ducks' new defensive coordinator after that news just broke today, taping on a Tuesday. Um, any recruiting news that you want to share before we wrap up? No. No, no. I mean, uh, again, with Snowmageddon, we're not really sure what will happen this weekend. There was a couple visitors on weekend. Uh, um, excuse me, on campus last weekend, uh, class of 2021, Anthony Beavers, and class of 2020, Josh Jackson, both go to Narbonne, which uh, which is where Jonah Tawanu'u comes from. So Oregon is no stranger to that program. Um, but I mean, that's I mean, uh, yeah. And we've got reports on on at least from Beavers on the visit, but um, pretty pretty minor in terms of recruiting at the moment. See, if Oregon State can sign a Musgrave, I think the Ducks need to sign a Beavers. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly that would that would yeah <laughs> that that would make the most sense. Yeah. No, absolutely. But no, uh, and then again, uh, you know, we're rec- recording this on a Tuesday. It's it's snowing everywhere. You know, who knows if Oregon will be able to get guys in on campus this weekend. Um, I guess just tune in to Scoop Duck to find out. Yeah, yeah, and you mentioned the snow. Um, let's let's end on that note. Just everybody statewide, because we were reading the, the Scoop Duck thread about snow and Bend and Eugene and Portland, and now, unfortunately, our neck of the woods in southern Oregon. Yep. Just be safe and, and be thankful that, uh, we're not going to have this all winter. Yeah, no kidding. Well, and it's funny. We're sitting here recording this, and I'm keeping an eye out the window, but my son just texted me uh, from middle school, and, and they're making them go home early. So okay. there's how much school – or they, they're not quite letting out yet, but that's how much snow we've got. So it's it's clearly caught the attention of the schools around the valley. That's my concern as well with the state basketball playoffs, but that's a subject – for another day, and I've got I'm stocked full of beer at home, so I'm good. If I get you're ready, in for, yeah. If I get snowed in for a couple of days, I'm good. I just go buy some pizzas, take and bake pizzas, and leave them in the fridge. And you, you know what's funny? I I'm rambling now, but so this weekend I was helping my fiance move. She was moving apartments where she lives in Portland, and I think I'm the good Samaritan doing the great thing, right? I'm the MVP boyfriend. I am driving back on Sunday. And I don't think anything of it. Heavy rain. Right. But I drive through heavy rain all the time. I'm an Oregonian. By the time I hit Cottage Grove, it is a blizzard. Right. <laughs> right. And uh, I stop in Roseburg for the night because I don't want to total my car. And the two things that I pick up, food and a six-pack of beer. Yeah. yeah I mean, Priorities. The, the essentials, yeah. I mean, uh, you could add toilet paper to the list, and that's about it. Otherwise, <laughs> it's survival. But Justin's got a bunch of beer. He's well-stocked. He's ready, and we're going to grit through Snowpocalypse. Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. If you like this and you want to hear more, we've added a Facebook Live video component to the show. You can check that out on the Scoop Duck Facebook page. That's on Facebook, at Oregon Duck News via Scoop Duck. And then also listen to the podcast. We share it on ScoopDuck.com every afternoon when we have it. And also on iTunes and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening, everybody.
this life. 